This is going to be the first official PeerCoin podcast. I'm going to be hosting it. My name is Jay Will. I've been part of the foundation since its inception. I uh, was a developer too. Still am not quite as active because of real life stuff, uh, but I still help out where I can. I'm just going to go down the list here and let everybody introduce themselves. I'm going to start with Jacob. Do you want to give a little introduction? Absolutely. Um, so, hey, I'm Jacob Gattakian, and uh, I have kind of had a lot of roles in the blockchain space. Initially, I was actually just an investor. I picked up some MadeSafe, some BitShares, and some Bitcoin. Um, and then it slowly took over everything I did. Six months after I made that first investment, quit a job as a high school teacher at a <coughs> kind of fancy uh, private high school in Shanghai. I moved down to Shenzhen. Um, to, uh, to, to work on open hardware, uh, specifically because I had a feeling that, um, basically everything out there was, and I still have this feeling is compromised. Um, and that <coughs> failed, I did actually ship a piece of hardware from it. Uh, it's called the Geekbox now, but it was supposed to be a blade server and it, it became more or less a toy. Um, and after that, um, I did cloud computing consulting for a bit. Um, I got really into steam and that's kind of what took me full time in working on blockchain stuff. I'm one of the co-founders of a company called drone energy, uh, which I left in 2019. They are a Bitcoin mining company based in Buffalo, New York. Uh, they, basically convert power plants into Bitcoin mines uh, so that the owners of the plant are able to choose between selling to the grid and selling to the mine, which is on site in the plant. Um, really cool stuff. I, I built and prototyped like the first couple of containers. Uh, yeah. yeah, fantastic team that I still keep in touch with and around from the time that exiting drone, uh, I entered Bitcoin in kind of a, a strange way. So I'm very active in the, well, was very active in the Buffalo, New York blockchain meetup. And I met this guy, Craig, uh, and he was like, well, you know, there are these people, they want me to come to Hong Kong, but, but J Jacob, would you tell me, are they going to steal my organs if I do that? And I said, Craig, Hong Kong is fantastic. Listen, if they'll pay, like, I'll come to Hong Kong with you. Uh, and nobody's going to get their organs stolen, and it's going to be a great time. Ended up meeting Alex, the CEO. Um, and another call with Sonny, too, before I went out to Hong Kong. And, um, you know, got to meet the team. Ended up joining the Vsys team uh, initially on more of a part-time basis. And now I do a lot more uh, work with them, certainly. And um, 
presently, I probably have actually too, too many <laughs> projects and engagements, but they're all super freaking awesome. Um, I work with a Vietnamese hardware design company uh, called PCB Viet, and we're working to release a really, really simple computer that um, will run actually a customized Linux OS that I built. Um, goal of that being to decrease the attack surface when using single board computers uh, for validating fast proof of stake blockchains. Um, there's, I, I work with Tendermint um, where I'm basically working with container systems, but also on like uh, embedded Tendermint as well. So like Tendermint in uh, Raspberry Pi type environments um, or other tasks involving the automated generation of system images. Um, I'm one of the founders of Blurt, which is a social media blockchain. Uh, and also I, I do all kinds of nerdy stuff, you know, um, I, I do all this stuff cause it's really, really fun. Um, this entire area of study, um, has, has sucked me in completely and, uh, I have a really, really great time doing these things. Awesome. I'm glad to have you, Jacob. Sounds like you have a lot of uh, unique perspectives to offer. I'm glad we can get you on here. Uh, Nagalam, you want to go? Sure. Um, so I am a PeerCoin team leader, team member. Um, I uh, uh, work on kind of the bigger picture um, concepts of PeerCoin. Uh, the rest of us are all pretty much PeerCoin people. Um, I think Jacob is the is the guest, so... Um, he had kind of a more in-depth story, so I don't really have much more to say than I'm, I'm just a PeerCoin uh, member who works on the big picture protocol. Um, also uh, doing some articles and making summarizing things so that people can understand them. Absolutely. Glad to have you. Peyton? Hello. I'm Peyton. I'm from the United States. I'm in Utah. I've been looking into software development. I got my degree out here and trying to push blockchain in some of the companies that I work with. I'm the founder of Axiom Digital LLC. That's my company. And my interest in blockchain comes from a decentralized and liberty-loving perspective where I believe humanity can be empowered by controlling their own data and private keys. That's basically where I'm at. Glad to have you, Peyton. Uh, Willie, you want to go ahead? I think he's just listening. Okay, no worries. Sentinel? Hi, uh, my name is Randy. I go by the name Sentinel RV online. And my first introduction to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general was in 2013. The idea that you could have a digital form of money that was decentralized and controlled by people all around the world was very revolutionary to me at the time because up to that point I was so used to the idea of central banks managing everything. Of course Bitcoin itself never lived up to that standard or idea I had in my mind since it's mostly controlled by a small group of miners in China now but you know the idea behind it was the initial draw that got me involved in the crypto industry 
And when I got into it, almost immediately, I started researching all of the altcoins that were available at the time, which is eventually what led me to finding PeerCoin. And I've been with it ever since. I mean, I understand why Bitcoin based its security model on consuming electricity. It creates a financial cost for miners so that they're always incentivized to tell the truth and submit legitimate transactions. I mean, it works, and it does its job as intended, for now at least, but it's very inefficient and it's costly to the environment, not to mention it's becoming more centralized over time, especially in China. So it just never made sense to me to support Bitcoin when you have a real alternative like PeerCoin. I mean, PeerCoin was specifically designed with proof-of-stake to secure blockchains without needing to waste electricity. And at the time it was released, everyone was criticizing it and talking about how proof-of-stake wasn't going to work in the long term, it wasn't decentralized, and, and, and all these criticisms. But here we are almost a decade later, and PeerCoin, it's still running stable, you know? Um, I mean, that says something right there, that you can have a secure blockchain that doesn't need to waste vast amounts of electricity. It's it's just not necessary. And PeerCoin, it's proved itself by running almost nine years without needing to do that. That practical, real-world experience is what everyone should be paying attention to and recognizing. The idea that People from all over the world can participate together to manage and secure a decentralized digital currency network with nothing but a cheap computer. It's it's still revolutionary to me. And in these times that we're living in with extreme amounts of censorship and financial institutions canceling the services of their customers because of their political leanings, I just feel that decentralization and censorship-resistant networks like PeerCoin are going to become increasingly important in the future. Now, more about my role in the PeerCoin community. I'm on the PeerCoin Foundation, and also I'm on the team as uh, I act as brand manager. I'm responsible for things like the design of PeerCoin's color scheme, its logo, and the main website at PeerCoin.net. I'm also responsible for a lot of our communication through social media like Twitter. I help with writing content. Uh, PeerCoin University is a long text that I wrote which can be found at university.peercoin.net. It's a little outdated, but I need to work on that. Um, also, I helped with writing the content for the five-part PeerCoin Primer video series, which was produced by Kronos. Uh, that's about it. Awesome, Randy. Glad to have you. And uh, last but not least, a man probably needs no introduction. We have Peer Chemist. He's been the leader of the PeerCoin project for uh, quite some time now. Uh, Peer, if you want to go ahead and say a little bit about yourself. Sure. I, I, I hate repeating myself. I, I keep saying the same things about like introductions. So, yeah, I lead the project since April or May 2016. Uh 
so I'm basically like uh, responsible in in to keep the team operational and keep the keep the keep them optimistic and keep them productive. That's basically my role. And uh, yeah, like like some kind of uh, semi CEO which oversees things and basically has more responsibility in the end than the others. Uh, it's uh, it's of course. Uh, it's a fulfilling experience for me, and uh, I have I have no no objections on on my on my role here, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 just happy to see the progress all the time. And for example, this podcast is also progress. It's it's something going on, something happening, spreading the word, talking about solutions, and uh, proposing the improvements on the on, on the existing solutions. So yeah, uh, welcome to our podcast, and uh, let's hope that we all can learn something from here. Awesome, thanks, Pierre. Glad to have everyone here. Okay, so today's topic is going to be crypto, asset or money, and uh, that pretty much speaks for itself. We're basically going to be talking about how do you view cryptocurrency as a platform? What are the benefits you think it can bring to the table? Um, you know, a hot debate since cryptocurrency kind of hit the limelight has been, is Bitcoin, for instance, an asset? Is it a store of value? Can we use it as money? Will it overtake the, the US dollar one day? Will it overtake the euro? These are all things that people hotly debate uh, with the passion of a thousand fiery suns. You can see it if you go on Twitter. There's always something trending regarding this topic. So the first thing I'm going to bring to the floor and you guys can kind of discuss is it's going to be a very broad, general question. Do you think that crypto can function as money? And uh, whoever wants to start it off can start it off. I think it's a question of design. Um, for example, I, I think PureCoin is a pretty good design for money. Um, I think that Bitcoin would be if it wasn't for the halving. I've come to really hate it. Um, I believe that, that Bitcoin's halving... You know, it really should have been on a gradient. Um, I did not think this when I first joined uh, with V-Systems and had this, this three-hour-long debate with Sonny King. Um, and he and I went at it at a whiteboard furiously. Uh, and, you know, basically my, my feeling was, you know, Bitcoin was essentially perfect. And... Watching what's occurring in the markets right now, and I do believe that, that a good portion of it is as a consequence of the supply shock caused by the most recent halving, then yeah, it's not actually a good thing. Okay, we're, we're all, I assume that, that all of you hold some cryptocurrency, so I imagine you're all making um, additional money, let's say, but you want stability in a money. Um, and so in that sense, you know, Purecoin's probably better positioned. I've, I've also talked a bit um, on Twitter and in Twitter DMs with the um, gentleman who started Tezos, Arthur Brightman. And that was pretty interesting, too, because I did not know that it was his intention uh, to win in the money field initially. I, I wasn't aware of that. And, you know, he's also targeting base layer money. But I, I want to answer your question sort of with, you know, uh, conditional, which is design. Um, if it's designed to be money, then it 
yeah, it can function as money. Um, but most of the new stuff coming out, certainly assets. I wonder how did this guy think that he can have money, which was ICO'd. So Tezos is an ICO. And how, how on earth can you have money and if you, if, if, if you have ICO'd it? The boot up start the boot up phase of the distribution is ICO plus the pre mine, probably. So that's basically private money. That's that doesn't make sense. Actually, I have no issue at all with private money. Uh, you know, I, I think that monies will benefit from competition. So, yeah, that's not, not a point of concern for me, really. No, I, 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 I see. If we if we actually do have uh, private money sometime in the future, I see as a as a one one of the tickets to complete dystopia in the future. I, I don't want to see that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, I I have a, an opinion on this. I've been forming for a little while. I feel like most cryptocurrencies that are available are assets, in the same way that stocks and the corporations that support a country are assets and then the money is a layer two that depends on all of the assets in an organization so all of the cryptocurrencies are like the assets that support the layer two of money that is much faster in the crypto network so most of the assets and the funds that we're dealing with like peercoin for example is strictly an asset not a money but in as we're moving forward and we're seeing lightning network and some of the other layer two networks that are faster, uh, for example, Dash Pay, Instant Pay, the settlement time is much quicker and is much more user friendly than needing to load up the blockchain. So that is how I see it. The assets like Peercoin are the backbone, the essentially a stock that supports the GDP of the entire crypto community from which the value of money is derived. Mm -hmm. And that's my perspective. I'll just uh, state something. Uh, I believe like Jacob probably missed this. So Sunny designed Peercoin to be an asset. You know, like uh, that's that's the, the main the main theme that everything was, uh, you know, the, the concept, the, the sheer concept was designed about is to have an asset. And he called it digital gold. He was actually the first one to to, fray, to to you know to have this phrase digital gold. Unlike Bitcoin, which was you know the, the paper starts with like you know peer to peer uh, money or something like that. I don't know. And then we had different design goals. So yeah. So even so even if you today Jacob you say like Bitcoin is better money than Bitcoin, uh, I would disagree because it was designed from day one to become. An asset, crypto asset. Now, if if it's uh, if it's better money than Bitcoin today, that's sheer just like uh, you know like consequences of some other things. It's it wasn't by design. So I think it's neither of these things. Um, I think that a blockchain is an immutable record and can be used as an immutable record, and the the concept of the settlement chain is a way of of settling out into permanency certain records um and so the monetary aspect is super important um it increases trust in the function 
Um, people tend not to trust anything that hasn't had a lot of money poured into it. Um, and that money, of course, is denominated in global currencies. You will, you will never really get rid of a global currency because um, taxes have to be denominated in it. Like the, the, the idea that a government has currency ha is one of the principles of capitalism, essentially. Um, so I, I just don't think that we will ever um, force community or, or you know, countries into using um, a non-native currency. I, I just don't see it supplanting. Absolutely, um, yeah, absolutely not. That's, that's, so, so, I, I, believe, I believe that's common sense. Yeah, and so I see it um, as the, the, the asset-like property is the, mon the monetary-like property is the ability to, to move money around and things, give it legitimacy, but that the end purpose of the blockchain is not financial. Um, I think it's, it's, it's all about data, um, but that's my, my personal opinion. A lot of good takes here. I like what I'm hearing. Uh, there's a lot of strong opinions regarding this topic. And it seems like most everybody from the pure coin side isn't ready to view uh, crypto as money in general. It looks like uh, you guys are leaning more towards asset, if I'm hearing correctly, um, which to me is an interesting thing that we have to denote here because the nuance between asset and money can be very, very blurred. You know, I think the technical definition of asset versus money is, you know, an asset is typically viewed as something that can be turned into cash flow it's a you know it's something that can be easily converted to a liquid asset which would which would be what money is considered um and i think that the viewpoint of bitcoin these days has migrated a lot more towards something that can generate a liquid cash flow rather than store your value in it i don't know many people in the mainstream that view bitcoin as something that they can buy and save for their kids. And I know that this was a, a, an opinion that was held a lot higher, uh, even say four years ago, when people would say, you know, buy and hold, buy and hold. I feel like this is kind of an ideology that is dying out. And um, I think this is something that we can see directly if you look at the problem with some of the fees and the scalability issues that we're seeing. For instance, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin hitting all-time highs, but gas fees are astronomical. So it's interesting because I feel like a lot of people bought these these um, coins with the hopes to make money. And maybe even some of them bought them with the hopes to hold it or, or even use it as sort of a currency to exchange for other goods. But they were caught in the trap of, of just selling it and taking the, the nominal gain because the fees were so high. So So how do you guys feel about the scalability issues that we're seeing and how it's kind of forcing people to just use it as a cash gain because they can't use it as a currency. This is basically what I'm arguing for quite a while now, for at least two years. So market clearly does not want crypto to be money. Market is clearly treating it as an asset. So we shouldn't be, you know, like fighting against the, the, the current and trying to deliver money because market clearly has no any any intentions in, in order to use this as a money. They, they use money as money and they have their currencies which they, they, they respect and they, they know how to work with them. And you know, like you can't force them to, to switch to something there. They have no incentive to switch to something else. And they're clear, like, as you say, you're saying, people are buying cryptos because they want to see price appreciation. 
it's a highly speculative asset. It has violent and uh, dramatic price swings in both directions, and it's cyclical. So you know when when the cycle starts gets going, you know you know that you can you can pile some cash if you if you catch train early. You will cash out cash out later. Somebody else will buy your bags. So yeah, as you see, the 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 the, the, the framework here. So everybody is treating it as an, as an asset, and so from what I see is that you you should be as designer of these things as maintainer of these things crypto crypto stuff. You mean you need to be catering to the needs and desires of the market. You can't you can't fight the stream, and you uh, and you can see this uh, happening with Bitcoin. So Bitcoin started as money. Uh, they got into scaling problems. In the end, they they basically, if you if you go on Twitter now, all the Bitcoin shills they are just they are just talking about hold. They are not talking about money anymore. It's just an asset. It's uh, it's some kind of hedge against uh, inflation or something. But definitely nobody is talking about money anymore. And then you have assets like Ethereum, which is quite popular. I believe it's it's the most used. Uh, blockchain in the world by far by by a huge margin and it's definitely not designed to be money it's it's basically designed to be uh, like settlement layer for these smart contracts and ether the native currency has no like no qualities which would make it a good money or even a good asset and yet it, it's it's quite uh, it's quite popular Jacob, do you do you have an opinion on this one? First of all, <laughs> um, Pure Chemist is totally right. You must obey the market. If you don't, um, you're going to waste a whole lot of time, and that is, you know, no fun whatsoever. Um, not only do you waste time, but you may waste, you know, your own capital, potentially other people's capital too. So, following the market is very important. Um, but, all right, about money versus asset, one, one of the things that I think is occurring, and we're not going to know if this is occurring for maybe another five years, um, but I, I believe that assets are being monetized, uh, in, in the crypto space, generally speaking, um, I'll... Let's 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 start with a really abstract example, okay? Uh, land. One could, for example, um, create a blockchain that has a governance system, and tie that blockchain to a plot of land, okay? And on that blockchain, you are issuing uh, NFTs. So now you can divide the land, okay? And those NFTs can further be broken down into you know just standard fun fungible tokens right and so now you have tokens that represent a defined ownership stake in a piece of land and i think that this is a really potent uh like like real estate development technique uh that may have the potential to give birth to new cities or new countries and you know, I, look, I used to be really gun-shy with this point of view because it, I'm sure it sounds extreme. Um, but when I look at the newer proof-of-stake systems, what I see is, look, the, the consensus mechanisms are actually pretty old. Um, 
you know, BFT is it's old, I think, 80s, I think. Um, and so, all right, what's, what's novel here? Well, in my opinion, what's novel, what's interesting about the fast proof-of-stake class of chains is that they're allowing groups of people to coordinate under very clearly defined rules using a, you know, an immutable ledger that, that, that allows for extreme personal and group accountability. Um, and I'm, I'm a big believer in, in that type of extreme accountability. Um, just the fact that when something is open, like we see this in open source software. Like why is open source software better? A lot of the time. Certainly that's not the case all the time. But why is it better in many cases? Well, you can look at it and you can audit it. <clears throat> a, a governance system, whether or not that exists inside of another country or another governance system in some way, that correctly leverages uh, a fast proof of stake chain, I, I think could very easily turn it's like real estate stock into something that is very money-like. Now, you know, Pierre Chemist, one of the things that I, I heard you saying about, well, you know, they're, they're assets because they've got this extreme volatility and stuff like that. And, and that's, that's not good. Well, all I got to say is that, you know, from my perspective, I think that we're going to see a lot of very nasty volatility in national currencies soon. And that... If we were to just compare to Bitcoin, which as I mentioned earlier, is like it's deeply flawed. There are a lot of issues with Bitcoin. Um, but I believe that Bitcoin is better than any existing national currency. Um, could we do better? Like I, I do. I, I think that we could do better. A lot of really smart people working on this stuff. Um, and there's a lot of passion as well. And so I, I think that at some point, uh, a design is going to be created that is better. I think it's possible uh, that PeerCoin itself is actually better than Bitcoin because, like, I just I've, I've had so many conversations with Pure Chemist and Sunny on this, and at first, uh, you know, fully admit I, I didn't get it. Um, but the Sunny paid a lot of attention to sustainability, to ensuring that the system lasts over time. One of the things that I've noticed talking to him, I found very, very interesting. He's able to think in long periods of time, uh, which I, I think, you know, most people really can't. Like I, I have a plan for my life that goes out maybe five years and past that, well, I don't know, I'm 65, 70, 80, I'll retire. Um, but there's all this gray, right, in the middle. And Sonny... When you talk to him about this stuff, he speaks in decades. And I don't think that many people have the ability to model reality in that way. Um, it, I, I believe that it's that set of abilities that, that led him to the design of PeerCoin. Now, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I think assets and money are kind of blending together. I think we're going to see a lot of that where, 
you know, an example of this that doesn't even involve blockchain technology uh, is American boomers' retirements. Guys, the government is subsidizing those by pumping capital into every everything they can find that sits one hop adjacent to blue chip stocks, okay? Because they will not let those boomer retirement accounts get screwed over. This results in a lot of U.S. large corporations being effectively zombies. Um, and the other thing is, if you don't want to lose your wealth to inflation, well, yeah, you put it in stocks because they've, they've basically committed to not allow those key blue chip stocks to fall in price. These are a lot of good points. There's one thing you mentioned there that I do want to get to here in a second is the NFTs or the non-fungible tokens. Um, that's something that's been surrounded in a wealth of controversy lately, and that's something I'm going to talk about in just a second. But before we move on to that topic, I wanted to get everyone's opinion on um, Elon Musk. Now, this is something me and Pierre Kim has talked um, at length about recently because me, self-admitted Elon Musk fanboy, I love everything he does. A pure chemist. Obviously, he's a, he's a little more rational than I am, and um, he he criticizes him for some of the things he's been doing, which uh, you know I can also lean some controversy to because he's been doing some not so good things for the space. So I, I wanted to get your guys' opinion on on Elon. Now, this is something traditionally he used to write on Twitter, and he would scathe cryptocurrency and talk about how you know bad cryptocurrency was, and the people that in it are just rotten. And um, he's taken a drastic one eighty. Um, opinion on this recently where he started promoting it, endlessly promoting it, and um, he started pushing up Dogecoin. Um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of debate as to whether he's the reason or not, but, you know, Dogecoin depreciated some couple thousand percent uh, from his nonstop tweeting frenzies. So I just want to get you guys' opinion on that whole subject, and I'd love for Pierre to start this one off. Uh, it's not. It's not that I have something against the guy, personally, or you know, like him as a person. Uh, what I have problems is with this uh, this attitude that you you can go out and uh, basically orchestrate a pump and dump scheme uh, in 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 fully public uh, space. So Twitter is 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 fully public, and basically in the entire globe is uh, using and following what is going on on Twitter. And I don't, I don't think you have moral uh, standpoint for, of, uh, to to do that. You know, whoever you are, even if you are twice twice the wealthy or or or, t- or ten times the wealthy than than Elon Musk, I don't think you have the right to do that because it's it's completely completely degenerate. Okay, uh, I understand from from perspective of uh, especially young Americans. Uh, that he's like one of one of let's say heroes. He's representing something which uh, is moving the the nation, let's say, into the future. Because I don't know, like maybe this tech that he's representing uh, re- represents something new to you guys or something like that. But I don't I don't have even that perspective. He's just a businessman to me. He didn't found any of of his companies. He bought Tesla. He's a major shareholder in Tesla and his cronies as well. You know, the guy from, guy CEO from BitPay, 
he was the one uh, who who was deciding what on in order to buy the uh, Bitcoin. What you know, they they they, they released the news about that recently. So you, you can see clearly that there's a conflict of interest and uh, basically they are using uh, high popularity uh, and uh, good PR of, of the Tesla, the company, and the Musk as a CEO in order to pump their own own stacks of, of coins. And of course, I don't, I, don't, I don't think they will be... Uh, uh, I don't think they will be uh, shy to to simply dump these coins back onto retail markets, and that's that's basically what my main concern here is that uh, these guys are using their good publicity to 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 fool and trick uh, the retail to get into these schemes of theirs, and simply what how it, it will end up uh, the the guys the retail guys they were simply basically give their money away to guys who already have unimaginable unimaginable amounts of wealth on in their pockets so yeah we 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 as a cryptocurrency movement and and contributors we gain nothing and what happens is just we we lose reputation because in the end this bubble will pop like 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 three two two three bubbles before this one and you know it will end up in the news again, like uh, this crypto shit collapsed ninety percent again, and everybody's everybody's a scammer there, and so on and so on. And yeah, and we 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 achieved nothing, and somebody got rich of us. That's that's it. That's my that's my base my main concern with this kind of attitude. And I'm not sure like how is this even possible to be happening in this in, you know in like broad daylight. In, in I don't know maybe I come from a different world, but here in Europe we don't know who our CEOs are. Uh, you know about the company, you never know about the CEO. Nobody cares about the CEO. He's just a guy. He's just a tool which company uses to you know control itself or manage itself. But they are not celebrities. They are not anybody, and nobody cares what they are trying to say or what what they do. Also, we don't have this. Uh, uh, worshiping of of rich people, we don't know who our rich our rich people are. The richest people they they don't exist. They are ghosts. But in the United States, they are they are celebrities. So yeah, it's it's quite different for me to, uh, to understand. And yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get how how can that happen. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not worshiping Elon Musk at all, and I hate the Cybertruck. And I don't think electric vehicles are a very good idea. But I do like the Starlink, and I do like uh, his work um, with AI and automation for self-driving cars. The problem for me, I think, is it's a greater economic um, problem that has always been part of the United States that is exemplified by Elon Musk and his publicity. Because the United States was formed by corporate charters, uh, at, the, at its very beginning, corporations and business have always been the focus of this country, and even the municipalities, the cities, and smaller villages incorporate so that they can have a corporate structure and receive benefit from Citizens United. I believe that because Elon Musk is such a celebrity, it's easy for him to drum up funding for his projects, and nobody yet has mentioned PayPal and how that would be a huge conflict of interest. Uh, pumping up Doge and Bitcoin, 
but I believe that they are, uh, when I say they, um, those that are building innovative technology and manufacturing in the United States must form a economic treatise, in a sense, with those who are doing the mining. And I believe that's where Bitcoin and Dogecoin come into play with Elon Musk. He has probably struck some sort of deal. I don't know if this is true or not, but judging by the price of copper and how much copper goes into an electric vehicle, it would only make sense that the losses that they experience in the copper market with each electric vehicle are being rolled into some other market, probably Bitcoin or Dogecoin. And most people that have noticed the... um, difficulty to create an electric vehicle have cornered the precious metals in this country and the only option for them to lower and keep the price of an electric vehicle low is to participate in some economic uh, shade i would want to say and i feel because elon is involved with paypal there's no motivation for him to be in crypto whatsoever And because Bitcoin is totally dominated, I believe that there's been an uptake in script mining and scripting algorithms like Litecoin since September. And you can see that in the transactions per day chart. And because script algorithm has had a pump in mining, I believe that is why Dogecoin has pumped. I don't think Elon is specifically to blame. He's more of a economic figurehead as one of the richest men in the United States that now has a son and probably takes more of a backseat role and enjoys the publicity. But that said, I don't think he's a god. I don't think he's uh, someone that can dictate the economy, except for those who really don't know what they're doing in the first place and would be blown around by whatever the Wall Street Journal said anyway. So that that end reference there, right? The, the Wall Street Journal. So... I mean, but but in in general, okay. Um, I think that Elon Musk is is kind of just an opportunist, and we shouldn't really be focusing on him. Um, I I think that the GME, the AMC stuff, like that whole movement of um, uh, kind of Reddit versus Wall Street, right? And, and this broader sense of um, you know to to kind of go back towards the monetization of assets, right? Um, that Robinhood allows you to trade um, assets much more easily than anyone did 50 years ago. Um, and this, uh, once everyone has that ability, once everyone can trade an asset easily from their phone, why is that not money, right? Why, why are you not able to pay for, you know, your pizza with your friend with some stock? Um, and so the, the push of um of of all of these spaces is all the same and everybody's talking about it um and no one has a super clear perspective on it but it is definitely a global conversation at this point um and it's the same conversation of of asset versus money of cryptocurrency of um the stock market and and what does it mean to to invest when um you are no longer going through um superficial channels right when when the the um, kind of conglomerate doesn't have entire control over what's happening anymore. Um, how does that affect finances and um, how financial items are treated? 
I just wanted to draw it all back together. Yep, these are all good takes. I knew Elon Musk would probably get you guys talking because it's been something that, um, like I said, I'm I'm a fan of the man's work. You know, I think the stuff that he does is generally good for um, the overall thinking of the of the U.S. And without harping too much on it, you know, just kind of putting us in a position to move away from some of our past ideologies and embrace some new ones, whether those be rooted in capitalism or not. And your take on that, you know, I, I won't speak on. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that he kind of exemplified something that a lot of veteran crypto heads like pure chemists hate, which was the, uh, the pump and dump and kind of idolizing cryptocurrencies as being the next American stock market, for instance. Um, and I think him going completely 180, uh, you know, cause he used to be very, very against crypto. He would tweet about how bad it is and the people that do it are, aren't very intelligent and things like that to literally nonstop tweeting about how Dogecoin is the next big thing. Um, I think a lot of that is rooted in some sort of sarcasm. You know, I think this is something he's doing to, like you said, kind of boost his funds, especially he's losing in the market electric vehicles with copper and nickel and things of that sort. Um, but I think it's it kind of serves as a double purpose for him. One, he can expose the flaws and the inherent um, downfalls of the crypto speculation market by pumping some useless coin like Doge to the absolute moon and, and showing the world how easy it is to get people whipped up into a frenzy. And also at the same time, he makes money off of it. So I thought it was an interesting topic to bring up. There's two things. Can I can I just comment on about, about yeah. something? So I I hate this thing when they when somebody says like useless coin like Dogecoin. Why? Why? The only difference between let's say Bitcoin and Dogecoin is that Dogecoin creator has specifically stated this is a joke. I say useless no because other, yeah. the public perception has been that it's useless right yeah now. yeah yeah but it's I, I believe it's hypocritical to say that because there is they are basically clones like i mean dogecoin is a basically uh, indirect clone of bitcoin they share 99 percent of the source code if not more and it's basically the same thing they you know it, it operates in the same principles it has slightly different uh like economic settings and you know okay clearly the block time is different it's mined in merge mined by with litecoin but in general, it's basically the same thing. And I believe it's hypocritical to hear that. Uh, and I, I believe if if one was going to mock, you know, like make fun of crypto scene, what Musk is doing with Dogecoin is actually the perfect way to do that. Because, okay, like you guys, you, you guys have imagined that Bitcoin is something special. And here I will demonstrate easily uh, pump something which you guys consider a joke dogecoin to abnormal heights and i will prove that that you can make more money with doge than bitcoin which is also true again always if you bought dogecoin at any point in history uh, up to this point you would uh, and uh, and comparably bitcoin you would still make more money on dogecoin uh, after these uh, elon elon uh, pumps so yeah he he made he made his point so i i strongly believe that his Entire uh, Bitcoin venture was not initiated by by him, by by the by the company. Company has the Tesla company. Tesla company has a strong uh, strong tradition of exploiting memes. You know, memes especially among 
younger populations. So for example, if you go on Tesla.com, you can see some merch. And I don't know, like you have a mug or pants uh, with Tesla brand and they cost 69.42 or 42.69. You know, they are, they are trying to exploit MEMS uh, in order to you know, uh, gain, gain the upper hand against their uh, competitors and to increase uh, the, the ex exploitation of their brand. So I believe this the entire Bitcoin thing was basically they they have tried to uh, catch the hype train in order to make themselves look cool and you know hip and we are we are we are keeping up with times and so on. But nobody nobody is uh, discussing how uh, Tesla the stock the went down thirty eight percent since uh, this news and okay it did rebound uh, about. I don't know, like 20, 20 percent since uh, the fall, but you know, like market crash was forty percent almost uh, on on the market cap of Tesla. That's that's absolutely amazing money to lose uh, on on a long on a wrong PR move. And yeah, it's it's bizarre. Like what is what is going on? It's it's, it's bizarre what these things what these guys are allowing them themselves to do, and uh, you know. Uh, what what are they thinking even about? What is this? So you so you you see this like this narrative like Tesla made money on Bitcoin. Sure, yes, but losing forty percent on the stock value, I don't think that accounts even for five percent of what you know like the gain on, on gain on, on sheer Bitcoin against the loss on stock. It's 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 un unbelievable. I don't think that they lost their stock price because of that. I, I have a friend who thinks that Tesla is pure bullshit. And I'm from a city where there is heavy evidence that Tesla is pure bullshit. Um, does anybody know about the Tesla facility in Buffalo, New York? No. Uh, okay, so we have in Buffalo, there's a Buffalo River. On the Buffalo River, there is a Tesla plant. Uh, and uh, it's called the Riverbend facility. It was part of a scheme. Uh, and by the way, New York State is literally, please, you know, take, take me very directly when I say that, New York State is literally governed by the mafia, okay? Um, it's not a well-run place. Uh, you can also look into another company funded by this initiative, uh, the Clinton family uh, is called Bach USA, B A K U S A, uh, and very bad, pure fraud. They claim to be making uh, tablet computers in the United States. What they were actually doing is having Americans heat stamp their initials into bottom shelf, super crappy uh, Chinese tablet computers that cost about $15 each in bulk. Uh, and, okay, so this is the sort of stuff that's get, that, that gets funded in my hometown, okay? The reason that sort of stuff gets funded in my hometown is because, you know, fake stuff, you can, you can deliver a much larger kickback. Um, so, all right, back to Tesla's facility in Buffalo, New York. It was originally... What was the name of that company that made the solar stuff for Tesla? It had a different name, Solar City. Solar City solar panels. And our governor, 
who, you know, I assure you, highly, highly corrupt dude. Uh, I believe it was Cuomo. No, one, one of our our inspired Democratic leaders, because um, we only have Democratic leaders, really. Uh, mind you, guys, I want to say I'm not a Republican either. Uh, I feel that neither of the major uh, U.S. political parties is... Uh, they're, they're not on our side to people they side of large corporations that are on the side of lining their own pockets. And that facility received over a billion dollars in funding. And guys, it is empty. Nothing happens there. Okay. Um, so New York State gave Tesla over a billion dollars. Um, and Nothing has come of it. There, there was supposed to be like job creation. There were some because you can't have a building of that size and not employ people to maintain it, but they don't do anything there. Uh, and the jobs that were created were mostly about $14 an hour. And that, that, that's, that's not good. You know, forget the wages for a second, right? Because like everybody's got different skill levels, different skill levels worth different compensation. That's just how it is. Um, they accepted over a billion dollars from the New York state government and they have done literally nothing. And it's definitely very shady. Um, my friend Rick has a lot more depth uh, on this issue than I do. Certainly I, I think that they are doing, you know, Tesla does interesting stuff. Um, You know, their electric cars look freaking amazing. Friend who owes me a test drive, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, but I, I can say with some conviction that I think that they have been involved in, you know, at least a billion dollars of shady dealings. Well, if he's if Elon and the Tesla guys are willing to participate in pump and dump schemes off of their stock, I wouldn't put it past them to do the same with their business practices. And I I also did want to touch a little bit on what Pure Chemist has put into the text channel about the Weimar Republic. And that was in Germany. They started printing a bunch of cheap coins because their inflation rate grew too high. And I find that very similar, as Pure Chemist noted, to this current situation in the United States where stocks and currencies are being printed to counter the failing economy, uh, one part of me thinks that there's a coalition of old money who are seeking to separate the wheat from the chaff, in a sense. All of the, the upcoming workers who want to make an investment might put it into something like a video game company or otherwise instead of the tried and true stocks that have brought America to or the United States to where it is today and perhaps Elon Musk is part of this distraction whatever the case is a lot of people have been buying solar panels computers and parts manufactured elsewhere and failing to support the economies of our country like Ford and uh, Daimler GM Exxon and I feel like for those that are paying attention who are going to lead the next generation of Americans have been putting their money into 
successful ventures and not speculative which is one of the key components of Weimar in Germany they their stock market was where everybody put their money it was the gambling spree and in a way that's how the american stock market has become and this cryptocurrency is just a fracturing of our economic power into dust uh, i don't think at least, uh, just a second a moment. I don't think average American, uh, especially crypt crypto guy, um, average crypto guy in the United States, I don't think they realize that if they go to gamble with cryptos over gambling with stocks, is actually that they are participating in in these trades against the same people who are serving them stocks. You know, I don't think people realize that this old money, they they didn't forget about crypto. They are there. And they are they are selling you shitcoins on Coinbase, mm. in the same in the same way they are selling you stocks on on you know like on bats or something like that. It's the same people or or the same works. You can't go around them. Worse. You guys yeah, bring up a lot of good discussions. Uh, go ahead, Peyton. Uh, I just want to want to get us off of this topic before we go too deep down the rabbit hole. But uh, Peyton, if you want to give some closing thoughts on it real quick. Yeah, the final thought is it's a predation on ignorance, and that is the bastardization of capitalism that has got Weimar where it went and America where it's going. And ignorance is the problem. Awesome, yeah. You mentioned a couple things in that, Payton, that I do want to touch on. Um, and one of those being kind of the the politicalization or like the political movement behind how some of this stuff started like uh, – uh, some of the things you mentioned, it was a lot. So I don't remember everything you said, <laughs> but um, no my question to build on what you were talking about, you know, in a sense is, do you think with some of the things you've mentioned that Bitcoin has become a political movement in a sense, do you think that people are buying Bitcoin, especially younger generations as a giant middle finger to boomer money who traditionally were against crypto, but now we all know are heavily invested in it and banking on millennials propping up the market. Um, and an FU yeah. to the government who can't track some of those transactions and try to counteract with inflationary measures or deinflationary measures. Do you think that Bitcoin in the United States and you know possibly elsewhere, but mainly the United States has become a, a giant political movement more than anything? Do you mind if I swear? One word. Yeah, go ahead. Bitcoin has become. I think Bitcoin has become the bitch coin, and everybody that's getting into it now is falling into a boomer fleece because they weren't paying attention for the last 10 years in the up-and-coming technology that was supposed to carry our generation into the old money. But since none of us have been doing that, <laughs> um, the old generation got into it and is now fleecing everybody who didn't put in the work. Nagalem, what do you think of this um, politicalization? Do you think that Bitcoin has become more of a political movement than anything in America? Or do you think people are still out here thinking that Bitcoin can actually become a good currency medium or a good asset. So, so Bitcoin itself, yeah, it's kind of snowballed out of control to some degree. Um, And I don't, I don't think it's properly valued. Um, I I think it's clearly a bubble. Um, And, and yeah, I agree that a lot of that comes from, you know, institutional investors probably. Um, uh, Does that mean that, you know, crypto can't 
be anything other than an asset? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, uh, J- Jacob was more talking about the future. Um, Pierre Chemist was more talking about now. Um, I definitely think we're in a bubble right now. I definitely think that there's institutional investors right now that are that are moving things around. I definitely think that the volatility is crazy right now. And I definitely think that people are treating it as an asset right now. Um, once the volatility of cryptocurrency in general goes down, which it has to happen, um, there's no way that, you know, this kind of volatility can maintain itself once uh, um, if the market cap continues to grow and if, you know, people continue to value it more, which is the trend that's happening, um, the volatility will eventually go down. Um not just on Bitcoin, but in cryptocurrency in general, I think that Bitcoin lends itself um, to the rest of the crypto community. And that while, yes, people are getting into it because they want to make money, they're getting into it um, because everybody else is making money. And there's media um, reports and, and that causes people to want to you know, follow their idols um, or, or what have you. Um, it's a gateway. And it gets people into other things. Um, some people, not all of them. Um, I've actually experienced a lot of people that um, that are on Robinhood that are buying their coins on Robinhood, essentially, and don't like have any concept of. I believe you underlined the predatory ignorance that I touched on before, and Robinhood is one of the biggest offenders of that idea. In my eyes, I believe it is getting people into the stock market from their mobile phone when they have no idea what they're doing or how to be an investor. I think Nagalem's microphone may have, may have malfunctioned here because uh, cut off mid-sentence and I can see his Discord icon lighting up. It's becoming glorified gambling machine, basically. I mean, it already is. Uh, that's, that's how people are treating it. I don't know, like, like Robinhood. To find the correct assets that do have developers. You look at the market cap and you look at the volume and you look at the technology. You mean like in, in context of crypto or, or, or stocks? In, crypto. Uh, in, in the context of crypto, because we, you can see that we are in a bubble. And that's, that's how I feel. Some of the projects that have lower caps, better developers better technology, not overhyped, not available on ignorant applications like Robinhood. It kind of lends credence, lends credibility to... Uh, I'm, I'm not so optimistic. Let me explain. So from the very early days of crypto, I'm not sure like how or who, but they made it about market cap. Okay. And this is the only asset class that I know about that people are trying to rank, you know, like company against company. They don't rank each other on, on like how, how, how the market cap is bigger or so. Like they, they go about, I don't know, like revenue, uh, future prospects. Like do you have something competitive which is coming up or, or something like, or the sheer industrial capacity, for example, now, with this COVID thing, uh, okay, so there you have a couple of companies which which have uh, successfully developed the vaccine, but only one or two they have capacity and industrial capacity in order to 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 produce and meet the demand. 
Okay. In crypto, since the early days, it's not about any of these things. Since the early days, somehow the story ended up at market cap. And it's all about the market cap. And like for a customer or let's say user in this case in, in cryptos, like what does it mean? Like, okay, like uh, you have you have some crypto with a huge market cap and some guy, some with, with no market cap at all. And if you go check like a uh, number of transactions, you often see that these smaller blockchains they actually have more of more transactions per block or, 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 or like something like that than the big ones. And you know it's 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 too too easy to fool, and especially here in crypto where there are no standards, there are no rules. Uh, exchanges are basically king makers. For example, Coinbase is now listing whatever they they got involved into. They you know like they they don't even list any, anything other other than let's say let's say projects. I'm putting the quotes around the, the word projects that they have invested to so it's it's a clear conflict of interest there is a there is a there is a huge demand from retail to gamble with these things the, because retail finds them new and cool and they don't really understand them so they are more appealing there's some kind of mysticism about these things you know like magic smart contracts which which are like yield 40 percent per year or, or like stuff like that and you know it's 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 basically what i see is is uh it's organized industrial exploitation of retail and there's nothing nothing good about it and i don't see the way out of it i don't see how we ever move out of it because uh, the other say I had, the, other, the other day i had a good good uh good conversation with another guy also from purecoin community but uh yeah he's not here with us today Anyway, uh, he said like something about scammers, you know, scammers and crypto. And even Musk tweeted recently something about scammers and, and crypto, like clear association and uh, you know, like overlapping of these two areas. Uh, anyway, what I what I said like scammers are not the problem in crypto. Uh, crypto wants wants scammers they crypto crypto populace and uh, and investors they want pyramid schemes so the scammers are actually filling the demand that's my that's my final understanding of what is going on the golem so people had a, want to invest in pyramid schemes the golem had cut out uh, yeah. during his robin hood discussion so i'm going to give the, the floor to him to finish his thought sure sure yeah sorry uh sorry about that i don't know what happened i kept talking for a long time. Um, so <laughs> uh, you have these um, architectures that are exploiting people um, and, and they are um, you know, taking advantage and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, so you have to use, abuse, and then um, regulate a, a thing before it really starts gaining traction. Um, the pouring of money into these institutions, uh, through these institutions into these coins, um, the the crazy high price of Bitcoin is definitely um, not realistic, um, or at least it's not realistic right now. It's it's being used as a pump and dump, um, but long term, this can contribute to things like um, uh, money, right, as opposed to an asset. Um, uh, so Jacob was talking about um, the future and Pure Chemist was talking about the, the present and it's definitely a 
speculative tool right now. It's definitely being used as a speculative tool. Um, but in the future, um, these people that are getting in in these ways are um, uh, they're not they don't have exposure to what it really is. Um, this is their first foray. Um, so once they start recognizing names, they start associating things with them, they start remembering it, um, as opposed to just the word Bitcoin or the word blockchain in a title of a article somewhere, um, it starts to become something that they owned and something that is close to them. Um, and as such, um, it, it, I think we, we are seeing change. I, I don't think we can make long-term statements about what cryptocurrency will be in the future um, based off of the fact that it is just a speculative, speculative thing right now. Um, and I, I, I don't believe there are any real use cases um, that don't become much more feasible once you have a widespread user base. This is, yeah, it's and I think that's a good word. The illusion right now is with what Peer Chemist is saying that the market cap is so high, the volume is up, and it's a it, it makes people believe these technologies are more integrated than they are. And that's kind of the predatory ignorance that I was talking about. It's even worse right now because the United States is dumping, and well, Canada too, dumping money on its civilians, and the civilians are putting it directly into the stock market trying to go two for one to get, get a quick dump out of it. But what we could be doing instead if we had some organization is okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reveal some of my thoughts here, but I think if we paired with like Huawei, then we could get a bunch of cell phones delivered to every citizen of the United States and start a new government that benefits us in the palm of our hand, but no one has been smart enough to do this. That's an interesting take. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I think uh, it's pretty um, complicated, you know. Uh, the idea is, is a good one, but do you, I guess uh, two of those questions would be how feasible is it to, to be carried out by a small group of people and frankly, like the people that would have to support that, it probably goes against their best interests, right? Because it would take power away from them. Um, but I it's mean, an that's interesting thought. To democracy and capitalism being predatory on ignorance in general and how that can that, that devolves into the situation we're in now. It's definitely interesting thoughts. I think, I think the discussion as a whole was good surrounding this topic. I have a, a question for Sentinel, actually, uh, Sentinel, I know you, you've done a lot of blue-collar work, right? Yeah, I work at um, a facility which regenerates ion exchange resin, which is basically used to filter water. Yeah, and that, that's an interesting thing to me because I think most of us come from a technology background, uh, most of us on the dev side especially, obviously. And so I think we're more used to being surrounded by people that are already hyper-aware of crypto. And so it's, we're not really running into a position where like, oh, yeah, Bitcoin, like, oh, what's that? So I was curious to hear from your viewpoint, because I think traditionally in like the blue collar workspace, this is somewhere where we're not traditionally going to see people who are hyper aware of cryptocurrencies, uh, maybe more nowadays. But I'm curious to hear your viewpoint and, and maybe some of your colleagues. Is there like a, an awareness that's arising amongst people, especially in the blue collar workforce about Bitcoin, what it does or 
you know, like some of the technological aspects? Or are they just starting to become more aware of, hey, this is something I can make money on? Uh, I talk to some people about it at my workplace. Um, my boss actually jokes with me. He's like, oh, let me know when I can buy a pizza with it. Um, uh, yeah, some, some of my colleagues, they, uh, they, they bring up the price a lot. They just say like, none of them that I know have actually used it, but they talk about seeing articles about how much it was. Uh, one of them I know knows about Ethereum and he follows some stuff like that, but I'm not aware of anyone that has actually bought any except for myself. I think that's an important measure of the, the discussion around mainstream adoption. I think it's easy for us who are in the technological side, especially in the workforce, um, to, to get surrounded in this bubble, live in a bubble where we think, oh my God, everybody's talking about Bitcoin all the time. Cryptocurrency is hitting mainstream adoption. You know, this is the time. Look at the price. The price is because of mainstream adoption. You know, it's not some hyperinflated pump and dump scheme. But I think uh, the more important measure here is when people in the blue collar workforce, um, such as, you know, some of your colleagues or people that might work in manufacturing, things like that, when they stop discussing it as just, a, oh, I saw on the on Fox News or, you know, CNN the other day that Bitcoin hit 60,000. When, when some of these guys start talking about the actual technological impacts, I think that's when real mainstream adoption will start. I have something to say on, on this topic. So, uh, due to having two kids, uh, me and my wife, we have decided to move back to my actually fairly small hometown, about uh, 12, 13,000 people. And the entire region has like 800,000 people, so it's really sparsely populated. So my my social contacts are mostly from what you what you just referred to as a blue collar. So you know, like this guy works in the port. This guy's uh, this this guy's uh, like a woodworker. You know, he makes uh, uh, tables and the kitchens and so on. And you know, guys like that. And they did talk about crypto during the last bubble, and they actually they started talking about it rather late. Uh, maybe Bitcoin was already over, I don't know, like 15, 16,000. And I gave warnings, like, just avoid it. It will crash hard. It will crash to, like, two or $3,000 in the end. And they actually did, uh, they did listen to me. They did not uh, venture out. They didn't lose their money, unlike uh, other people who were not fortunate enough to consult with me about this. But this time around, nobody speaks around it, about it. So certainly they are aware. Certainly they have been participating in this GME mania, you know, like Reddit being all over it. And they did meet NFTs. They, they actually use NFTs. They are into that NBA top shot, if you know the app. Uh, you know, like uh, GIFs of NBA moments tokenized on on some kind of ethereum clone and you can you can exchange them for for dollars and they they have auctions and stuff like collectibles right and they are more into that they okay they so they know that bitcoin was i don't know like five six or even four thousand dollars a year ago 
they did not even it didn't even cross their minds to buy it then and uh, it passed it passed all all time all time high the last one twenty twenty thousand dollars and they know about it they don't think about it they don't want to touch it they will never probably touch it because I I think they 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 saw the lesson last time they know a couple of guys other guys who have lost money and they think the same thing will happen and they simply don't have any use of, of bitcoin in any case so uh i understand for you americans for especially the generations younger generations uh this is the first time in in basically your lifetime and maybe even your parents that you're are actually seeing inflation as a thing i don't think you guys were even aware that inflation can be a thing even though you have a low low inflation at the moment that's nothing special uh, my country had worse problems in, in the past. Today, inflation is 0%, so now we have a opposite problem. We have problem of lack of cash in the market. But anyway, what I want to say is that nobody has use case for, for, for these crypto things. Uh, if they, they will bro- if, they, if they, they will bring it up, they will bring it up in context of making some quick, quick money, you know, like buy, buy low, sell high in a very short period of time. They, I don't think they will be uh, accepting to hold these uh, coins for longer than maybe even a scale of up to three months. I, I believe that's already too much of risk for them. But what, where, where am I seeing penetration of crypto tech is actually with NFTs. So this NBA Top Shot is, is becoming super popular. And unlike, unlike cryptos, people understand what NFTs stand for. So they understand that there's a blockchain in the background, which is which is enabling this thing to be scarce, even though it's digital. And they understand collectibles more than they understand what is Bitcoin about. So yeah, what I'm saying, modern American is more success, uh, susceptible of accepting that this narrative that Bitcoin is a money, or it will it will save the world from. Uh, inflation or something like that people people over here they don't they don't have these problems they don't see these problems so they don't see like legitimate use case for this uh let's say peer-to-peer currency you bring up a a very important topic that we're going to segue into and i'll let Peyton lead it off i think he has some thoughts to say uh regarding nfts and this is something that we did plan to talk about so let's we can go ahead and transition into that so nfts non-fungible tokens for those who might be listening that are unaware of what an NFT is. Uh, it's basically some asset that is put on a blockchain. They call it an NFT. You know, I'm not going to go too deep into the technicals. Uh, what I find interesting is that NFTs as a concept concept have existed since pretty much the inception of Bitcoin. I mean, it started with colored coins, right? Um, and then we, you know, we had a project with peer coin, peer assets, essentially the same thing. And now people are becoming hyper aware of these NFTs, you know, especially ERC tokens. And, you know, usually they used to perpetuate it uh, because of the things like you mentioned, the NBA collectible moments, um, the art stuff. And uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but recently there's a pretty big art company. I think I think the name is Art Station, uh, I believe, that um, announced that they were going to start hosting some of their their work. I'm not too familiar with the art stuff, so you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're going to start giving the option, I guess, for people who use the ArtStation platform to host some of their work and make it NFTs. And there was a massive, massive backlash um, PR-wise from 
artists, like the culture seems to have, have been very, very against it, almost to a hive mind mentality because there was a there was a very scathing write up. I think it was by Vice or Wired or something about the um the um environmental impacts of NFTs and blockchains in general. I think the article was it was a it's a reach in my mind. Um I think they were reaching hard, but you know, some people may not understand how a lot of this works on a deep level and I can't blame them for that. Kind of played on their heartstrings involving involving environmental issues. But this is something we're seeing now, especially in America. Uh, NFT is becoming hyper popularized and a lot of backlash depending on the cultural background that you identify with. So I'd like to talk about NFTs a bit. Um, what you guys think of the implications of NFTs in the space as a whole? Do you think it's it's a good thing? Um, you know, talk a little bit about the predecessors like colored coins or pure assets, things like that. So Paige, you can lead it off. I know so you unmute so you had some things to say. Yeah, I first wanted to say that NFTs and ERC-20 tokens, there's a bit of a nuance between them. The NFT simply proves that the ERC-20 token is owned by, it's a one of. And the example that they usually give is saying, since it's since a dollar is fungible, if you borrow $100 from someone, you don't need to give them the same $100 bill back. You can give them 10 10s, etc. Whereas if you borrow their car and you bring them back another car, they're not going to be pleased. So the NFT is the car example, and it proves that the token you have is the same token that it has always been, and that's the scarcity that Pure Chemist touched on as well. I believe these have implications for um, access control, as we discussed a little bit prior, and as a means of proving copyrights. I don't... I don't know if it's worth the hype that we're in right now, but that's my spec. That's everything I wanted to say about it. Pierre, how do you feel about, um, you know, and there's nuances, like you said, obviously, um, I'm just for the simplicity of things, comparing it to projects that people may be familiar with the concept, right? Such as colored coins or pure assets. So I'm, I'm curious to hear pure chemists take on the NFT movement because Pierre is somebody that was heavily involved in colored coins and like the concept and thus uh, worked with Backpacker and some others to get pure assets off the ground. So I'm interested to hear your take on it. Uh, so they want like technical or technical comments or like conceptual, like what is this about even? Yeah, both. Uh, okay, so how do I see it is, uh, I believe uh, it's, it's fairly attractive from, from the, the user perspective because it allows something which is genuinely not scarce, like, I don't know, like a, a, a picture or like PDF file or something like that. You can copy it any number of times. It will always be the same. It will never lose quality or, you know, like, it will always be the same, basically. So there is no scarcity. And, like, uh, people like collectibles. People like uh, people like being in some kind of niche and they like limited limited assets, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know if you, you, have, you have noticed, but everybody is into limited stuff for quite a while now. So you have like Nike with limited sneakers or um, like other other companies like in, in fashion or, or even in tech, you know, con consumer appliances, which are making something limited, like, I don't know, like maybe phones even, headphones, surely. 
you know, people people understand why will this be they they treat it like some kind of long term investment beside being just a thing to consume. So they they know what to expect, and you know, people have always collected these uh, uh, game items. For example, for I don't know if you remember Manias in late nineties, like there was Pokemon. And the Yu-Gi-Oh! also cards, you know, they had some 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 cards were more special than the other ones. And these collections, even today, they are worth a lot. And then you have Legos. Lego Lego also has limited sets, and some of them go for quite ridiculous sums of money today in 2021. So it's completely understandable why 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 is this taking off? And you know, if you if you have technology which can Vouch, uh, except you know, like before the, before blockchain, you had to trust some company and their servers that they will, you know, only sell twenty five of these cards or something like that. But now with with blockchain, that is that is basically outsourced to some kind of uh, network of nodes, and and uh, it's it, they 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 find it more easy to trust that than the company. So yeah, that's that's basically the driving force behind this thing. Uh, furthermore, I believe, uh, especially in the states, I believe this is basically used, being used as a money laundering because it's fairly simple to do that. Uh, uh, art, artworks, and paintings and uh, sculptures and so on—they have been used to launder money for a very long time, and this is basically uh, lowering the friction on this. Thing by quite a lot because first of all settlement time is very short you don't have to ship anything around you don't have to have inspections you don't have customs you're not importing anything i mean like in strict uh, direct sense of things you can buy you can you can loan your money globally using nfts and and uh, on the on the legal uh legal definition it's basically art and yeah it's, so it's it's understandable how how this is exploding exploding to be used in this sense it will only it will take time for regulators to catch up but they will they will certainly catch up and uh, it will be regulated and uh, you will probably have like departments in fbi or something like that tracking these things and uh, trying to figure out like who is not paying taxes and so on now about the tech part um so yeah indeed Peer Assets was supporting NFTs already to, in 2016. That would be one of the issue mods, uh, not none, but once, I believe. I, I forgot the strict details of the protocol now. I can I can look it up later. Uh, but I'm we didn't, sure. yeah, but we didn't, we didn't anticipate that, you know, people will be actually trying to use these things on this scale. So I did. We, I remember, like when I was designing the protocol, I did uh, imagine like I need to have a way to attach some data which resides on IPFS on on BitTorrent or on like uh, FTP server somewhere, which can be uh, parsed from the blockchain and rendered uh, for a user in in the form of a picture or like video or something like that. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't imagine it as NFT. I didn't call it NFT as well. I call it a one issue, one issue token or like digital 
certificate of some file you know like you have a hash and you can you can you can you can check it if this is legit or something like that like a like a stamp or something this is how i imagine it but i didn't imagine like it for collectibles at all i imagine it more for games you know like game items uh i don't know like you have a like you have like or like rpg game and some items of these things like a hammer a special hammer which with special powers there's only one of them and if you score it somewhere it's only yours but then if if it's a token you can have easily easily have a secondary market for this 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 object and you can sell it maybe or trade with it or something like that this is this is what i did imagine but i yeah, definitely didn't imagine like to, to get to such a hype you know like uh, hype or something like that but even even before me and, and pure assets People were using these things on 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 counterparty protocol on Bitcoin, and there was even port of counterparty on Dogecoin, and maybe Litecoin. But I'm not quite sure because Litecoin was quite abandoned in in this time. That was like 2016. Uh, yeah, uh, they did play with it a lot, and if you remember those Pepes and uh, you know, like this this kind of stuff. There was actually money flying around these things, and I remember some some silly pumps with these. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't, I'm not sure like why why it didn't fly off in the same manner that it did fly off now with Ethereum. I guess these concepts were just too early for their own good. And now, like with Ethereum, you you get you you get more tools. To play with it, I guess. So besides having a token, you also get a way to have an auction. Batteries included. You get way to have uh, un, uh, royalties in batteries included. You have, you know, all kinds of these diff different topics, uh, which which are now possible thanks to smart contracts. But you know, like doing it on counterparty or pure assets, you had to rely on like very narrow set of primitives, which would allow. For many features, but certainly not for royalties. Actually, actually, royalties maybe yes, but like in in uh, like integrated auctions, definitely not. Yeah, yeah, it's and, and I think probably. That's a, I think I think that's an excellent example of how um, having a user base and having technological development can result in kind of the same idea, either being picked up and run with, um, or just kind of disappearing, right? Um, and, and so it's a network effect, but it's also it's also an advancement of technology. The, you have to have the users and the user interface uh, at the same time, and they they kind of come together. Um, definitely, so I, definitely. I, I, excellent, excellent example of how like the the speculative rush um, can can result in a bigger user base, and and, and a bigger user base can result in better technologies. And these um, ideas that have been passed around for, you know, since the inception of Bitcoin, essentially, like how do you um, create unique identities? How do you, um, you know, avoid the spoof problem, right? Um, all of those things are have all been argued since the 90s. Um, and, and they're finally kind of coming to fruition. Yeah, I think, I think the, the current state of NFTs is definitely interesting. Um, I think Pierre hit it on the head, hammered a nail about uh, the applicability to to some of the people that are maybe not as technologically inclined and weren't interested in this technology. 
um, especially the NBA collectibles, because, you know, there's there's a stereotypes for a reason and stereotypically, especially the blue collar workforce. These are people that are very interested, you know, sports and sports type memorabilia, um, sports collectibles. And the fact that it's opening the, the eyes of these people towards uh, crypto in general, because, you know, these guys are going to they're going to want some of these NBA collectible moments. And then they're going to be like, well, you know, how, how does it work? Um, how do I get it? You know, what's how, how is this whole thing being propped up? And I think that's a fantastic segue into just getting enamored with cryptocurrencies in general, which I think is an overall positive thing. Um, what do you guys think about the the whole backlash, as I mentioned, with ArtStation, how they were going to offer NFTs for the users? And there was, I mean, just an outright overwhelming negative response because of this environmental discussion that I think it was Wired.com put up. I think it's a target audience for a peer coin to get into. Talk to them about the efficiency. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something that peer coin can lend a hand to, but I feel like even with this audience, peer coin is not enough because, I mean, if you guys haven't seen the Wired um, article about it, after this, you should go read it because, I mean, they, they just talk about how crypto in general um, energy consumption wise, I know Peercoin being better, obviously, than proof of work chains in that aspect. But, you know, they just scathing, scathing about how it's horrible for the environment. It will never be good for the environment. It's just as bad as coal in some instances. Uh, I want, I'm curious how you guys feel about that backlash. And I mean, it got to the point where ArtStation even removed the NFT because the backlash was so strong. That, that sounds like it's almost entirely proof of work, right? Like the idea of exchanging information via the internet, they aren't writing a scathing op-ed against, you know, how the internet is consuming so much electricity. Um, it, so it seems to be just the, the trade of, of money for, for, or electricity for money via proof of work. Um, so I see that as just a proof of work thing. It's interesting that yeah, it be from the proof of work concept because like, Ethereum is like, moving to proof of stake, right? Yeah, but the general public does not even understand that there is like alternative to to, to Bitcoin. Okay, I mean, I'm, like most people will say, like they, they when they talk about crypto, they will they will keep talking about Bitcoin because they don't really know the word cryptocurrency or something like that. But when it comes to investing, they will still of more often than not uh, ever invest in Bitcoin. They will go and buy basically shit coins, you know. Because they, because for example, now you have this uh, uh, some something called like Cardano or something like that. They have scored hugely among these these normies because they were at the peak, let's say peak interest in the bubble. They they had a price level of about a dollar, and this this yielded huge huge investments from retail retail because they don't they don't check number of total units. They don't check about the tech. They don't check about anything. All they see is like Bitcoin is 50K and this thing is like fairly close market market cap wise. Like it's like, I don't know, like top 10 somewhere. And it, it's it's about a dollar. So it's, it was this, it is, it's the same principle as the last time, uh, in the last bubble, we had Ripple at like, I don't know, like also like 50, 60 cents dollar maybe. And people are thinking that this thing can reach 30K or like more. Anyway, I, I, I digressed a bit, but what I, what, I, what I wanted to say is like it's easy to strike down crypto as a whole because 
most most of what crypto is is proof of work still and it's legitimate concern like why do we need to, the, to have these ridiculous nft tokens on the change which consume enormous amount of electricity uh so yesterday uh bitcoin has been consuming as much as philippines there is 108 million people living in philippines and i'm not sure like <laughs> it's it's hard to justify to have something like 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 bitcoin to be using as as much power as philippines it's ridiculous I think that comes down to the oh fundamental boy. <laughs> so that comes to competitive mining and competitive mining was never supposed to exist. Um, the idea in the, so, so the Satoshi Nakamoto's original white paper didn't even mention mining even one time. The fact that mining has gotten out of proportion as it has is just a testimony to the ignorance of cryptocurrency adoption. It's hard Jacob. for me to believe that mining alone... Yeah? Go, go ahead, Payton. I just saw Jacob might have wanted to say something after Payton. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, um, I mean, just coming from a very heavy scaled Bitcoin mining background, um, I got to tell you guys, no problem whatsoever with Bitcoin consuming the energy footprint of the Philippines. And I think that may be a feature. And I'd like to drill into it for a minute, if you guys don't mind. So, look, Bitcoin is not your typical energy consumer, okay? Bitcoin, it, think of it as a connoisseur, right? It is looking for very specifically uh, high output, low cost sources of electricity. And guys, I just want to say that Really, very difficult to do that with fossil fuels. Um, I, I did assist in the conversion of a natural gas plant to Bitcoin production, um, but the, the economics are more favorable, say, hydro and nuclear, for sure. And Bitcoin, just because of the incentive scheme behind mining, uh, it really pushes miners toward these cheaper and cheaper sources of electricity. And I realize some people will see this as a waste, but, but I actually see the mining industry as developing two really, really key human activities. Uh, one is the energy industry that essentially gave us the modern world. Uh, and two is the semiconductor industry. So... You know, the Bitcoin mining ASICs, they're incredibly advanced these days. And the effect of a mooning BTC is actually uh, an expansion in the number of fabrication facilities globally. This is really important strategically, like not just for Americans, not just for Chinese, not just for... It's, it's strategic for the entire world because... We're the whole world, everybody in the world pretty much makes semiconductors in just one place. That's Taiwan. Um, guys, China might, you know, go and nuke Taiwan. Or uh, look, there, there are a number of bad outcomes 
that could concern Taiwan that would shut down the global semiconductor manufacturing industry. And I, I suppose that that's an incentive for China to not just, you know, try and wipe that rebel island off the map. Um, but it would be catastrophic. Uh, TSMC, I, I'm not, I don't want to knock their talent, okay? Like they sort of have a deserved monopoly in the sense that Suppose you wanted a five nanometer semiconductor, right? Well, you're going to go to CSMC. Why? The only ones who can do it reliably on Earth. Um, Apple buys whole years of, of TSMC output in advance. They're that good at what they do. Um, but I don't have a problem with driving demand for cheap, clean energy. And no, no, doesn't trouble me at all. Um, and I don't have a problem with driving demand for semiconductors. The other thing that Bitcoin mining drives demand for, also have no problem with, uh, is better energy infrastructure. So better transmission lines, um, better grid pricing systems, uh, better grid interconnect. And as a miner who is, you know, I a bag of water, so, uh, and the company has gone up to scale to three or five, so somewhere in there, like single digits, and, and actually likely to grow out quite a bit this year. Um, what I'm trying to say here, guys, I really don't think that Bitcoin mining is a environmentally or socially harmful industry. Um, I think that more energy is a good thing. I also think that Bitcoin, it kind of, just just by nature of what it is, I doubt that this was a consideration of, of Satoshi's, but like it goes directly to the most helpful type of energy and then causes it to be built out more. This is good. I, I can't, you know. Um... No, I, like just a second. So maybe yeah. you misunderstood me. I didn't said like this shouldn't be happening. This was basically my my personal opinion. So I find that Philippines are more useful than Bitcoin. That's basically what I'm saying. I never been oh, okay. to Philippines. So, but, yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you on that. The Philippines yeah. is more useful than Bitcoin. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I've, even even for me, even though I have nothing to do with Philippines and I've never been there, but I'm sure that Philippines are more useful than Bitcoin globally. Might I interject here for a moment? Sure. I do believe that proof of work is absolutely necessary and so is mining and there's no way around it. However, the, the problem that I have now is the competitive mining. It's necessary to take the semiconductor world and understand that is the root of where this entire market is coming from where the cryptocurrency market is founded and we can't move completely to proof of stake without sawing off the limb we are sitting on and i like that you've touched on the growth of the semiconductor market in taiwan i also want to note that it is halting markets other markets from progress because of the oversaturation of miners because of competitive mining and i want to just return that back to the satoshi nakamoto white paper where cpu mining was intended to be the only 
method of mining, which would place most miners on a relatively even playing field. However, because ASICs, FPGAs, and GPUs can be leveraged to give an advantage for the election of the block leader, it corrupts the egalitarian nature of block rewards at its fundamental root, which is flawed. Okay, so you're going back to one CPU, one vote. That's totally accurate. But wouldn't you say that Satoshi clearly knew that um, one CPU, one vote was not going to be a permanent state? I would say the goal that. is to uh, encourage a peer-to-peer -peer cashless decentralized system. Then I feel like centralizing in mining pools and centralizing mining power and hash rate is the same corruption from, say, political parties in the United States that were denounced by George Washington. And I so would I can agree with you on that. I can agree with you on that. Uh, the centralizing centralization of mining pools is that's like a legit issue. Um, but there are solutions to that. Uh, it's blue something, and the guy who wrote it has blue hair. But but he created a system that, that would make miners less reliant on pools. Um, I don't think that it's gotten wide adoption yet. Um, don't know if that ever will, either. Um, so uh, I love this discussion. Um, before you continue there, Payton, for a sec, uh, mm -hmm. I just want to say we're creeping up on two hours, about an hour and 46. Uh, probably like to round it out of two hours. So just so, you know, time doesn't run away from us and it becomes too long because we can definitely table some discussions for the next podcast, which, you know, would be nice <laughs> uh, instead of running through everything yeah. in the first episode. Um, so I'd like to, to do some closing thoughts on, on this discussion. And then I would kind of like to leave it on the point of with this discussion of NFTs, do we think that NFTs can actually become better assets than cryptocurrencies? So uh, I would like you to finish the thoughts you had on the, the centralized mining um, discussion, and then we can close out with the discussion over what we started today's um, episode with, which is, you know, asset or money. And do we think NFTs can actually be the leader in assets over, you know, their action, the, the, the platforms are actually based upon? Well, just one closing thought then. I think it's important to not throw the baby out with the bathwater and to continue the progress of semiconductor technology. And if that comes at the expense of competitive mining, then that has been an acceptable compromise to this point. Yeah, I mean, it's so, yeah, I, mean I feel uh, quite, quite the same as you there. Because it's just... Look... If we get $200,000 Bitcoin, right, we get new fabs. Fabs cost $5 billion a piece. And everybody's scared shitless to build one because you can actually fail building it completely and just get nothing. Um, there's a lot of black magic in those buildings. Um, but if, if we get new fabs globally... You know, there's more competition, more trained people making semiconductors, uh, cheaper computing, and I, I just, I believe it's a really a, a virtuous cycle. It's definitely, definitely a good, good topic to bring up later, too. It's a, it's a topic that we can spend probably two hours on alone, <laughs> you know, so. Um, <laughs> that's probably, that's, that's, that's for, 
NFTs, if they will become a more valuable asset than the blockchains that they operate on? I believe that that is possible in the same way that patents have become more valuable than some of the companies who lease the patent the rights in, in a similar way. So what very I interesting concept. If were to, yeah, if it, if it were to if if an NFT were to represent a copyright or an idea with leasing potential, then it could reap benefits if that's the direction that people want to go with intellectual property moving forward. Then then yeah, then the blockchain itself. That does pose problems with proof of stake, of course, um, because then that implies that instead of buying the object, you could buy the chain. Um, and kind of mess with the transactions of the object. Um, but it's an, it is an interesting idea, for sure. Um, what if these second layer solutions and these second, you know, uh, additional use cases end up becoming um, higher valued than the, um, than the host chain? Um, it, it's, it, it, and it's also a reason yeah, yeah, yeah. to put these things on you know more uh, higher price chains right why you would want to put this on something like ethereum or bitcoin um as opposed to um you know something like purecoin which has a much smaller smaller uh, market cap period is there uh, anything you'd like to add to it uh just thinking about this now so technically it should be possible to own an asset nft asset on basically that chain you know, like uh, I don't know, like imagine, imagine you 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 buy something, which an NFT on some chain, and this chain dies. But if you if you have capacity to run a node, you could technically spin up, reboot the network, uh, and and sync with your your peer sometime in the future. And then you can exchange it, you know, like you you, you relay the NFT to, to them, and uh, he gives you payment on, on, on of some form. So yeah, you 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 could basically have dead chains which which host the uh, NFTs. Yeah, if if you can find a copy of the blockchain, but that's right, um, that's right. Yeah, 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 that's that's a very low bar to pass. Great stuff all around, guys. Okay, so let's just give some closing thoughts. Uh, Thank you all for being on the first official episode. I think this is, I think it went really well. Uh, obviously, in the future, we'll take some feedback and we, we'll see where we can um, improve. I think it's a good step forward for not only Peercoin, but for crypto as a whole to have these discussions. I think that we're currently starved for this type of content in the space, right? Now, um, I think most people that were extremely popular, uh, I know, I know there's a girl, her name is Slipping Me, that used to do. Sort of these crypto talks on YouTube very frequently, and she got pretty popular, but she ended up uh, growing popular enough to leave the space and actually turn it into a career in traditional media. Um, and I think that's kind of happened over the past couple of years where people who are doing this type of content, you know, when, when the bubble arises and people are looking for these type of discussions, they tend to leave and actually ferment their career around it. So I think it's good. I think we continue educating people uh, is always is a good thing. And I know that's something pure chemist really takes a lot of pride in is educating people and uh, trying to prevent people from getting scammed. And that's something that PeerCoin has been trying to do since its inception. So thanks for joining guys. Just if you want to give some closing remarks, 
before uh, we end the first official episode. I just want to thank everybody for having me on. It was a fantastic talk. Likewise, and I'm happy to be part of such a forward-thinking group of people. And thank you, everybody, for coming. Pierre, do you want to give some closing thoughts as um, kind of the person who – this was your brainchild, and, you know, you've been leading Pierre Coin for a while, and I know you're very passionate about doing educational things, so we'll, we'll end it on you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we have explored these couple of topics in uh, in – actually sufficient depth we didn't really uh stay with the narrative the you know like crypto money or money or assets we did we didn't spend almost any time commenting of you know like qualities of crypto as a, as a money or, or or an asset but we certainly i think actually did make a conclusion that crypto is basically an asset now and especially in context you know what we spoke about in context about United States and uh, and the internal politics of United States and uh, economics, you know, the Musk and Tesla and so on. So I believe the conclusion was made that yeah, it is it is an asset now, and it's like unsure if we can make it to be like uh, actual money, but yeah, it's it remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, it was it was quite uh, quite enlightening, and I believe there's there's something to be learned if you listen to this. And I I think I thank everybody who who dedicated time to make this recording and uh, this, this this show. And uh, for those who will still to hear it, uh, I hope you had a, a good time listening and that you have learned something. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, everybody. And until next time. Catch you later. Thank you. Goodbye.